Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council. Monday, November 4th, 6 p.m. The council is preparing to go into closed session, and I invite the clerk to please call roll. Harris? Here. Kearney? Here. Barrett? Here. Glass? Here. Albertson? Here. Healy? Here. Miller? Here. And would the attorney please provide notice? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I'd be happy to. The council will confer with legal counsel regarding anticipated litigation in closed session under Government Code Section 54956.9, Subdivision B, regarding one potential case. And also, the council will confer under Government Code Section 54956.8, regarding property negotiations. The property involved is APN 005-060-062. The agency negotiator is Dan St. John, Director of Public Works and Utilities. Negotiating parties are the Sonoma Marine Area Rail Transit, um, and under negotiation are price in terms of payment. Thank you. And whereas there is no one in the council chambers to address the council on closed session items, public comment is opened and subsequently closed on closed session, and with that we're adjourned to close. Good evening, welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting, Monday night, November 4th, 7 p.m. session. I'll invite the clerk to please call roll. Harris? Here. Kearney? Here. Barrett? Here. Glass? Here. Alberton? Here. Healy? Here. Miller? Here. And if Fran Frazier would please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Have a moment of silence, please. Thank you. Agenda changes and deletions to the current agenda. There's been a request to add item 4B to tonight's agenda by Council Members Healy and Harris. I'll entertain a motion to do that. Mr. Healy, would you like to make that motion? So moved. Mr. Harris, would you like to second that motion? Yes, sir. Second. All in favor will uh, say aye. 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 Any dissent? Item 4B is added to the agenda tonight. Before we get to Supervisor Rabbit, we're going to do a couple of proclamations as we have folks that are here uh, to receive the proclamations and have them uh, presented tonight. So I'll ask for the patience of the um, Supervisor. I need to find, could it, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to take back the proclamations that I gave you all because I don't know where my copy went. Thank you. Um, this proclamation is a 45th anniversary of Eden Housing. Councilmember Barrett will be presenting this. Whereas Eden Housing develops and maintains high quality, well-managed, service-enhanced, affordable housing communities that meet the needs of lower-income families, seniors, and persons with disabilities. And whereas beginning in 1968, out of the need for non-discriminatory, affordable housing in Alameda County, Eden, Eden Housing began and over its 45-year history has developed or acquired more than 7,000 affordable housing units in 93 
properties in partnership with 28 jurisdictions in California. And whereas since its founding, more than 60,000 people have come home to an Eden housing community. And whereas Eden Housing offers a range of supportive resident services and enrichment programs at its properties, and since 1993 has awarded 281 scholarships, totaling $325,000 to support residents in achieving their academic and career goals. And whereas Eden Housing developed and owns 187 apartments for families in three service-enhanced properties here in Petaluma, Corona Ranch, Downtown River, and Washington Creek. And whereas amid shrinking resources for quality affordable housing, Eden remains committed to improving the lives of neighborhoods and residents by forging and nurturing long-term relationships with our community partners. Now therefore be resolved that I, David Glass, along with the members of the Petaluma City Council, do hereby commend Eden Housing for its contributions to revitalizing the lives and residents and communities and extend our very best wishes on the occasion of its 45th anniversary. And Council Member Barrett will present this proclamation to Linda Mandolini, who is here from Eden Housing, to accept it. And Ms. Mandolini, if you'd like to address uh, the City of Petaluma, that would be wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of the Council. Um, I want to just say a heartfelt thank you to you, the City of Petaluma, to all of the Council members who have come before you. Uh, we've been working with Petaluma for nearly two decades. Um, we started here um, with a little project called Corona Ranch and Corona Crescent Townhomes. Um, and you have really served for us as the example of how to do it right. Um, we have cities all over California that ask us, uh, how did we do what we did in Petaluma? They have called your staff to find out how we've done what we've done with you in Petaluma. And I have to say, we're so proud of our work and our partnership here. Um, I was reminded of how important it is and how many lives you've changed. Um, you probably don't know all the stories of the people that you've touched, but when we turn these big anniversaries, we have a video. And so this year in our video, we feature a young woman who moved into Corona Ranch 15 years ago with her mother who is severely disabled. They were living in um, substantially substandard housing. Her name is Diana Gutierrez. She went to the Boys and Girls Club after school. Uh, she went to the Boys and Girls Clubs during the summer. She went to high school. She worked at the Boys and Girls Club as a summer intern. She graduated from Sonoma State University. And today, she is studying for her master's degree at Columbia in New York. She is a testament to the work that you have done to change people's lives and to change communities, and she is but one of many. The work that you did and the staff did to encourage us to partner with the Boys and Girls Club is now a statewide example of how to partner uh, and create a platform in housing for after school and academic success. We're actually trying to replicate that with housing providers and after school providers all over the state of California. You have made such a difference. You have been such an amazing example and such an incredible partner. Uh, and as one of my board members said, we hope to be here with you 45 years from now. And we do hope that the state of California finds in their heart a way to fund affordable housing since they've eliminated everything we've all worked with together to do. Because we really think that we need to do more of this. We have um, over 10,000 people on our waiting list right now. So thank you so much. And I hope you can join us on November 14th for our 45th. Thank you so much. Next up is Pancreatic Cancer Month. Councilmember Kearney will be presenting this proclamation, accepting as Patricia Steiding and Sylvana Brendiski. And the uh, proclamation reads as follows. 
Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, November 2013. Whereas in 2013, an estimated 45,220 people will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in the United States, and 38,460 will die from the disease, including 4,000 deaths in California alone. And whereas pancreatic cancer is the fourth leading cause of cancer death in the United States, with a five-year relative survival rate in the single digits, digits at just 6%. And when symptoms first present themselves, it is late stage with 73% of patients dying within the first year of their diagnosis, while 94% die within the first five years. And whereas the incidence and death rate for pancreatic cancer are increasing, and pancreatic cancer is anticipated to move from the fourth to the second leading cause of cancer death in the United States by 2020. And whereas the United States Congress passed the Recalcitrant Cancer Research Act last year, which calls on the National Cancer Institute to develop scientific frameworks or strategic plans for pancreatic cancer and other deadly cancers, which will help provide the strategic direction and guidance needed to make true progress against these diseases. And whereas the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network is the national organization serving the pancreatic cancer community in Petaluma and nationwide, through a comprehensive approach that includes public policy, research funding, patient services, and public awareness, as well as education related to developing effective treatments and a cure for pancreatic cancer. And whereas the good health and well-being of the residents of Petaluma are enhanced as a direct result of increased awareness about pancreatic cancer and research into early detection, causes, and effective treatments. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each member of the Petaluma City Council hereby designates the month of November 2013 as Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month in Petaluma. And if we could have Patricia and Silvana come up. Councilmember Kearney will present you with a proclamation and if you'd like to address the community that would be most appreciated. Thank you so much. So we wanted to get a nice little photo op here. Judy? Thank you so much, uh, Councilman, and the rest of the City Council for this honor to proclaim Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month in Petaluma. Um, my um, fellow volunteer, Patricia, and I, we both lost a parent, and um, I lost my dad, Silvano. Um, it's going to be 13 years, but it's it's uh, still seems very recent of what as a family member what you have to go through and Patricia was volunteer here to um, who set up this proclamation and in this process of just setting up the proclamation her mother's already lost her battle and they just buried her yesterday so it's just um, as a Mayor Glass, thank you very much for reading the statistics here in this proclamation. It's very stark, as you well know, and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, 
So pro proclaiming November Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month in Petaluma is, is, a, is a wonderful step. We really appreciate. Thank you very much. And I have some purple ribbons with, with the council members like to uh, wear for at least for November. If you could just uh, give them their clerk and she will pass them out, that would be most appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you. The, we have one more proclamation, but there's no one here to accept it, so I'm going to get to that after we hear from Supervisor Rabbit. Uh, so next on the agenda is the Supervisor. Mr. Rabbit, thank you for being here tonight. And thank, and thank you so much, and uh, good evening, uh, Mr. Mayor, and Council Members, Vice Mayor, and Mr. Brown, Danley, Cooper, Ms. Cooper. Good to see you all, and again, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to uh, touch on a few county issues uh, of note. And uh, certainly for the last uh, two weeks now, uh, the number one issue at the county level has been the incredibly uh, tragic incident that shook the community, the, uh, the death of Andy Lopez. And uh, I can tell you that all involved parties are grieving the loss of our, that 13-year-old. And I, again, as a father of three, you know, I just can't imagine the heartache of losing a child. And uh, certainly needless to say, uh, losing a child in this way has got to be especially heartbreaking. And so our thoughts and prayers go with the Lopez family. And really, at the end of the day, there's no simple, single answer to why this tragic event occurred. And uh, we also need to recognize, I think, the pain and anguish felt by the sheriff's office, including those two deputies involved in the incident as well. And uh, I think this tragic event has really brought forth some underlying issues within our communities some perhaps more focused within the Roseland community of Santa, uh, Santa Rosa, but some others countywide. And uh, one of them is the relationship between communities and police. Another one is just neighborhood violence in general. Um, I think one cannot underestimate the pre prevalence of guns in our culture. It seems like every day, or every week at least, there's a, at least a few uh, incidents around that uh, just seemingly shock you more than the last. The proliferation of replica toy guns manufactured to appear like authentic assault rifles is something that I think we all need to address as a community. Uh, my own son, I've, I've told this to people, my own son had one of those clear plastic um, pistols with the orange tip, uh, but I know even his friends and some of them pretty bright uh, Petaluma youth used to take the tip off and even paint the uh, guns a darker color. And so we all really need to uh, step up and make sure that that does not happen. And uh, we really do take care of our kids here in our community. And I know that uh, Council Member uh, Barrett knows as well, even the annexation issues within Santa Rosa, in and around Santa Rosa, uh, Rosa Southwest Santa Rosa particularly, there's still six islands plus the larger Roseland area. And while one could imagine that the uh, services require or provided perhaps would or would not change very much from what was provided by the county. I think the feeling of uh, being disenfranchised is there, and that just adds to it. Uh, I, I'm happy to say that this particular year, we, as one of our priorities at the county, made uh, the annexation issue a priority, as did the city of Santa Rosa. And we've started some discussions on how to move forward, but of course, at the end of the day, it's going to take resources and or some way to work out the, uh, what's going to have to happen in terms of the infrastructure uh, to move forward and to take those uh, islands into, um, into the city itself. And I think, as we all agree, we want to ensure that every member of our community, no matter where they live and what their ethnic background is, feels safe and secure. 
uh, in our community. And uh, tomorrow morning, uh, the board will meet for the first time since this incident. And uh, we've invited the public to attend. First thing in the morning at 8.30, rather unusual schedule for us at Agenda. We always start at 8.30, but the first thing we're going to do after the pledge is really have an invocation by Bishop Vasha and go right to inviting the public forward uh, to really start what we hope is the healing process. And what should we do? What do we need to do as a community to make sure that uh, an incident like that never happens again? Um, and so meanwhile, certainly you saw today in the papers, the legal proceedings are underway with three, fi uh, three claims filed last week and the lawsuit filed today. And the investigation following uh, the Sonoma County Law Enforcement Chiefs Association of Law Enforcement Employee Involved Fatal Incidents is underway. I bring that up because that particular protocol, which was adopted in 1993 and revised and, and refined eight times now, uh, is unique in most counties. Um, Santa Rosa is, as you probably already know, is the lead investigative agency with help from the city of Petaluma, and thank you very much for that. Once the investigation is complete, it's then turned over to the uh, Sonoma County District Attorney's Office to determine whether a crime was committed or not. The DA then, in turn, is required to hand over that report to the Sonoma County Grand Jury. And um, as you know, this incident, as well as the FBI, is following the investigation, and uh, really that was welcomed. Most other counties really only have an internal review. Our county's doing that as well at the, at the sheriff's office level. But if it, this incident happened, say, in uh, Los Angeles County, it would just be an internal review. There would be no outside agencies looking at it unless they were brought in by the federal uh, agencies. So I think that uh, we place a great deal of trust and uh, uh, faith in that investigation moving forward. And we uh, certainly look forward to um, a full investigation, transparent investigation, in as much as an investigation can be transparent. There's a lot of cry out there for transparency in the investigation, and we're trying to figure out what that really means. As you know, as you all know, that you know, uh, an investigation in, in a matter such as this, there's not much that you can put out there. We want to put out as much as we can, as soon as we can, and make sure that due process is followed uh, along the way. And so, um, <clears throat> stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be much, much more. Uh, moving forward. But again, tomorrow, uh, there's been a lot of, I've attended the funeral, I attended the vigil. Uh, I can tell you that through the demonstrations, which I, actually I have to point out uh, for the leaders in the community, were handled very, very well. There was a lot of fear last week, last Tuesday, there was word that there was going to be outside agitators, which actually there were. And uh, even today's letter in the paper made note that we should be out welcoming people with water. Well, there was water carried by some individuals. Well, it appeared to be water. It wasn't really water. And so there's really um, folks from outside of the area trying to take advantage of the situation for their own uh, agenda. But I'm really happy to say that uh, folks within our community stepped up and made sure that those kids that were marching uh, in the uh, demonstrations and the marches were safe. And at the end of the day, they were, and all the precautions taken to make sure that that happened. So tomorrow, we'll also thank those entities that, that stepped up and, uh, and helped make sure that everyone was safe. And uh, with that, I'm not sure how to segue out of that particular topic onto the next, uh, but we'll just uh, move on to the uh, Lafferty, which I know uh, from Councilmember Healy has been uh, around <coughs> in the news as well, and uh, talking about access to the front gate and the pending lawsuit by the Friends of Petaluma. And uh, I've met a number of times with both the representatives from the Friends as well as the uh, neighbors, the representatives. 
And so I'm happy to say that both parties have signed a stipulation in place uh, to place the suit on hold for 90 days to get around a table and see if they can reach any agreement about what can happen in the future on the property. And I think um, <clears throat> we all concur that I think once you get behind the gate, if we were to go the other route, I'm just not sure that we wouldn't just be looking at another lawsuit and another lawsuit and another lawsuit. I think this way that there's an opportunity that if something can be reached uh, with through cooperation and negotiation and compromise, whatever it may be, don't know what it is yet, at least we have an opportunity to perhaps uh, gain access to the land uh, sooner rather than later. And I look forward to that uh, happening. That meeting is going to happen on November 25th. Um, so I look forward to that. On to trees, which is another subject that was brought up. Trees specifically on the 101 corridor. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm the first to admit that the construction activity can be really frustrating, especially when you're stuck in traffic out there. Uh, and But, you know, again, as a South County resident and a member of SCTA, I am excited actually to see the, the work underway. Uh, and I want to thank Councilmember Harris for his service on SCTA as well and his advocacy for Petaluma, uh, as well as actually his predecessor, uh, Tiffany Renee, who I think was really instrumental in keeping that East Washington interchange on track. Um, and needless to say, you know, no one wants to see a tree taken down, let alone the number of trees that were taken down for this particular project, uh, seemingly all at once from the Narrows all the way through the corridor up past, actually even up at Airport Boulevard where the larger redwoods were taken down, which actually were, by the way, were saved and used in the <coughs> Dry Creek uh, remediation biological opinion. Um, piece where we're taking the root bulbs and putting those down in the creek to soften the water flow. So good came out of those trees. Uh, but still, you hate to see a tree lost. And um, the view change uh, with all those trees gone. In SCTA, with a, what, a $100 million plus shortfall in completing the widening through the narrows made the difficult, but I believe necessary decision to really forego spending money on landscaping if that money could be spent on the widening efforts themselves. So the emphasis was really put on the pavement, not so much the landscaping. We'll come back and get the landscaping later once the, uh, once the funds are available. And the Petaluma River Bridge, for instance, took funds from that category uh, in terms of the $10 million match that was required. As you remember, the uh, <coughs> Petaluma River Bridge wasn't on the original uh, docket, but it, because we were ready to go, we had that $45 million kind of handed to us uh, because through contract cost savings elsewhere in the Bay Area and because we had $10 million match that we had to come up with, which included some landscape monies, we were able to get that project up and going uh, sooner rather than later. And I think we all agree that's probably a very good thing. And uh, so my colleague, <coughs> Supervisor Mike McGuire, who's the chair of the SCTA this year, named an ad hoc committee on trees along the corridor. And uh, I was fortunate enough to join him in knowing what an issue this was for our city and the letters that I received from, uh, from constituents as well. And, uh, you know, Caltrans projects, the SCTA really just invests the money, usually the seed money or the seed match, and it's really the Caltrans that takes over running the particular project. And uh, I think we all know that Suzanne Smith does a great job in terms of uh, leveraging those dollars uh, to get the most bang for our buck here. Uh, but Caltrans does prohibit trees from being planted within 30 feet of the edge of the pavement. And when you widen the freeway and you build the sound walls, there's many places along the, the main run of the freeway there isn't 30 feet left. 
so you can't get a tree planted. And I think we all understand why Caltrans doesn't want the trees along the freeway for safety's sake. But there are opportunities in some of the interchanges. And that's what we're looking at is really old redwood, uh, the foot of the Petaluma River Bridge, and perhaps even the uh, new um, South Petaluma Boulevard interchange. <coughs> and there, are, there is some money available uh, that's specifically earmarked for landscaping, can't be used for anything else. And we're going to bring that into those locations. We also want to encourage local matches where possible, again, to leverage those dollars and any in-kind matches <laughs> or sweat equity. And we're also looking at other ways to try to save a dollar by perhaps using um, Sonoma Youth Ecology Corps, North Bay Conservation folks to go out and actually get the trees planted. And we're really talking about trees at this time, not full-blown landscaping just because of the dollars involved and the idea to get the trees planted earlier than later to get some height uh, on those. Um, so I think uh, we're in a good place. It's going to be brought back before SCTA uh, coming forward. I, I, I know that uh, I've talked uh, to Councilmember Harris about this and <coughs> he is supportive and I hope that, uh, that you will as well. And uh, <coughs> we'll see some uh, trees finally planted back on the freeway as opposed to all the trees coming off uh, the main run. And uh, I know that there are also trees, I know Caltrans does a good job about mitigating for riparian and wildlife impacts like they're supposed to through the environmental document at the ratios that are prescribed in that document. What doesn't happen is the mitigate the impacts of the aesthetics that are identified in the document. And the thinking is that you can't really, if a tree <coughs> is taken down uh, and it creates an aesthetic issue, it doesn't make sense or it doesn't mitigate that by planting the tree elsewhere because the eyesore is over here, not there. Caltrans has been consistent on that going forward and that's kind of where we are with the entire tree piece. But I think that we can hopefully find some, uh, some dollars and get some trees in the ground and uh, eventually we, we will catch up. But it's a matter of making sure that we can finish the, the pavement job first and get the uh, trees in the ground. Roads in general, <coughs> I know that we, like uh, the city of <laughs> Petaluma, um, have uh, been in the news lately with our road conditions. And uh, I know that we're both thinking about moving forward with some sort of additional measure, perhaps, that we should definitely coordinate on. Uh, that pavement condition index. This, su this summer, and just finishing up now, actually, uh, what we did in our, in our county, in the county, is really to come up with a pavement condition index that we think is more reliable than the MTC uh, pavement uh, preservation uh, index. We think that we did a little uh, auditing of that index, and we think actually it comes out a little low. Uh, not that moving up a few numbers is really going to make a, a great difference. But when you start assigning dollars to those numbers to bring everything up to a certain level, you really want to find out what those dollar amounts are. And in the county, we're talking about a swing of maybe $300 million, which is a lot of money. Um, so we really want to make sure we know what, those, uh, <coughs> what the pavement condition is. Up till now, there's 1,400 miles of road in the county. They only did the pavement condition index on one-third of the roads at any given year. So this year, we invested to do it all at once to do a little further analysis to make sure that we had a number that is accurate going forward so that we can have that plan long term to figure out how to spend the money, how much money we need to spend, and how we can ultimately, the goal is to have that pavement condition index not decline, but start going in the other direction. And uh, look forward to that work. The last two years, we've spent nearly $17 million 
<coughs> in one-time monies uh, at the county for pavement preservation, which is the most really in a, a couple of decades, uh, which I'm very proud of because I think that it's been hard to do, obviously, uh, because the hit uh, of the recession and all the other needs that we all have. <coughs> but I think that ultimately, um, you know, our roads are important, a uh, huge investment, and deferred maintenance is even more expensive, as we all know. Some of the road segments in and around, Petal or around Petaluma, Old Redwood from Katati to Petaluma uh, city limits was just paved. I think they striped it just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Adobe from Corona to Pengrove, which was done earlier uh, this year. Main Street and Pengrove, if you noticed, has just been repaved as well, uh, and parts of Petaluma Hill Road there. Western, of course, D Street, I think, is on the list uh, <coughs> in this next cycle. And uh, certainly, again, long-term plans will <coughs> uh, have to have some additional resources if we're really going to tackle the larger issues. Our, it's interesting in our county, uh, with 1,400 miles of roads, there are a lot of roads that probably won't get a lot of attention and probably shouldn't get a lot of attention. Those roads that might go five miles up to one or two homes, it's really hard to justify uh, repaving the entire road to, uh, for something like that. But, uh, and we've, I think we've done a good job about keeping the uh, major arterials and collectors up to a very good standard and it really drops off on the rural residential side, but we're working on it. Um, speaking of traffic, <laughs> tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, um, <laughs> we could have a traffic nightmare uh, with the uh, grand opening of the Grayton Casino in Roanoke Park. Um, and uh, I know with the situation of our traffic of late, uh, it seems like I don't know how you could add more cars to the freeway, but apparently we will. And uh, it was interesting reading the paper this morning about the uh, where folks are coming from and what they're, um, you know, what they're spending. Um, I was at the uh, uh, casino on Saturday night, and it is something to see. Um, it is a casino, uh, and it does draw a lot of people. Um, and the traffic issues, I, I convened a meeting of about 25 individuals, CHP. Uh, Rona Park Public Safety, uh, Sheriff's, uh, <coughs> uh, Public Works, Stations, Casinos was there. And I thought we were preparing for something that might just be a little bit of hyperbole and it was going to be all for nothing. And uh, Stations, Casinos told me that the last casino they opened was in upstate Michigan on a, uh, a snowy seven degree winter day, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, and there was gridlock. And uh, it really kind of woke me up thinking, wow, I can't believe that people are really uh, counting days down to come uh, to the Rona Park Casino, but apparently they are, and that'll happen tomorrow. We do have, um, and I know I read the article in the paper about Petaluma's uh, um, preparations as well. Uh, there are a lot of preparations in place for at least the first two weeks. There's additional officers and resources on duty. There's command posts set up. Um, but it doesn't take the cars off the road. It just hopefully will make them flow a little better. And we do appreciate the cooperation. Uh, long term, we hope it all kind of dissipates to a level that is manageable. Uh, but we do have that. I want to thank you for uh, <coughs> allowing uh, our friend JT Wick, or Tennis Wick now, um, uh, who we hired as their PRMD director. And I think JT really does bring something uh, new and valuable, which is really that experience on both sides of the counter. And uh, I think uh, I look forward to working with JT uh, at the county level, and I think that uh, it'll be a good thing long term, and I appreciate uh, uh, his stepping down on the Planning Commission. I know you have another vacancy to, <laughs> to fill because of that, and I know he'll be missed there. 
but I think he will make a difference in the county and be valuable uh, going forward. Um, one last thing, I'd, speaking of casinos, or lack thereof in this case, <coughs> the land south of Petaluma, which we have been united on in terms of our opposition to any gaming, uh, remains that way. Uh, we remain on that kind of uh, watch in careful watch mode uh, to make sure that uh, um, whatever happens there is is going to involve no gaming. And I think that <coughs> we'll have to have a discussion at one day about what uh, we would perhaps be acceptable there. Because I know the hotel now is uh, in the mix. Uh, I think the gaming facility or the gaming facility, the uh, ball field is still in the mix going forward. Uh, but until, uh, certainly until there's an assurity of no gaming, it's really hard to get excited about any of those. Uh, and we all want to uh, meet our general plan as much as possible, but we also know that once land is taken into trust, if it is taken into trust in that particular case, it's really hard to, uh, uh, to have much sway over that. And uh, <coughs> as Mr. Healy knows too, the was that Pepperdine Law School article about the last 100 applications of land taken into trust, every one of them was accepted. Um, so it's really, while well, we want to fight that, I'm not sure if uh, the uh, odds are with us on that. Um, plus, I know that, uh, was it Mr. Washburn in Washington, D.C., has actually made it a little easier for tribes to go into trust and a little harder for local governments to have uh, much influence. So we have a lot of work to do. We have good allies, <coughs> uh, and uh, we need to be united in that front to make sure that what happens on that piece of property is something that is uh, acceptable uh, to all of us and doesn't cause a, any kind of a, a nightmare. Um, so with that, I'm certainly open to questions, and I appreciate, again, the time. We have an agenda to get to, so if there aren't questions, it's a thorough report, and we appreciate it, but if there are questions, we'll take them. Mr. Healy. Um, thank you, David, for uh, the thoroughness. You cover a lot of territory. It's uh, like two or three full-time jobs, I think, you're carrying on there. Um, on the Lafferty thing, since you called it out, I do appreciate your, your uh, leadership in getting uh, both sides to the table. Um, since the discovery of the 1869 uh, deed, um, by our side at least. Um, and so I'm very hopeful that we can, you know, resolve not, not just the, the access issues, but some of the, the, the other issues beyond that, as you mentioned. Um, um, and I would say I, 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 I'm very hopeful that we can hold on to that November 25 date. There was a development this afternoon you may have heard of that may, may threaten that, and I would appreciate your support in making sure, sure the November 25 date holds. And that is that the Court of Appeal announced this afternoon, or it went up on their website, that the hearing on the Dutra appeal will be the following Tuesday, so November the 26th. Um, so that's the week of uh, Thanksgiving, and that'll be a very busy week for the city of Petaluma and the county of Sonoma. So thank you there again. You go. No, I appreciate that. And I, like I said, I think that ultimately, whatever is to become of the land, I think that we, knowing the circumstances of the uh, community up there on the hill, uh, we'd be better off uh, working together than at odds because I think that we're at odds. It'll be uh, many, many more years until uh, any access is granted uh, on the my, property. My goal has always been to open that for uh, for public hiking and then be a good neighbor to our fellow landowners yep. up on the mountain. And that's yeah. still my and position. I'm, I'm hoping that we can find whatever that middle ground is that that can make that happen. And I, I really I do look forward to that, and I appreciate all all your hard work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very Thanks. much. 
All right, so we're going to move. Uh, I'm going to hold this proclamation. I will read it, but I'm going to get to public comment because there are people from the public that have been waiting very patiently here. Um, so public comment is for items that are not on the agenda. I will ask for decorum, particularly in light of the events that have taken place in our county here in the last couple of weeks. I will ask people to be uh, cognizant uh, of that and not make any um, comments that are unnecessary that would be inflammatory. Uh, with that, we'll go to public comment. Uh, museum, uh, I, I'm going to not say your name correctly. We, we talked before this. Kyrgyz Sansuk. And if you could help me with your name, I, I apologize. I just did the best I could. Good evening. If you would speak right into the microphone, thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ms. Kiri Sansuk. I come from a small village, the hill down to the city of Chiang Mai, Thailand, when I was seven years old. I traveled by ox cart. I have been traveling ever since then. Tonight, I would like to present my citizenship class from Petaluma Adult School. The reason I wish to become a citizen is because I have been married with American men. And I have had one son with him. My son is also is American citizen. My becoming an American citizen would make living with our family in America infinitely easier. Other one other reasons I would like to become an American citizen is the protection that the Bill of Rights and Constitution of the United States American offer every American citizen, especially the word written in the Bill of Rights that guarantee life, liberty, and their pursuits of happiness. Thank you. Thank you very much, and congratulations. <laughs> Mary Labascal Hildebrand from the Little Oaks Montessori Preschool, to be followed by Joe Durney. Thank you, um, Mr. Mayor and members of the City Council. Um, I represent um, the children who are here as well as other children who uh, attend Little Oaks Montessori and many of those who have graduated as well. 
a, an example of the way in which we teach children to take initiative, the sort of initiative that we want to see as they grow up to be citizens of their community and of their nation. Uh, is it exemplified in today's presentation. For several summer seasons, we've been studying the uh, problems associated uh, for ocean life with the, uh, the plethora of plastic bags everywhere. The children produced this mural and have added to it over the years. Um, when we began studying, we had learned that the the mayor and the city council were entertaining the notion of banning plastic bags in the city. So we made this mural together. And when we talked again about the mayor and the city council, one of the children, Will French, who is now first grader at Valley Vista School, said, well, we need to tell the mayor and the city council to stop allowing plastic bags. And I thought, well, what a wonderful idea. We should do just that. So we've tried many times to speak to you, but the way in which um, our logistics uh, developed it wasn't possible until tonight so we thank you for this opportunity um, another example of the way in which uh, the way in which the children's initiative springs forth uh, is that just this afternoon Malia Schreier who is eight years old her brother Cole Schreier who is five years old and they have a little sister who had just exited a bit ago she's two years old they put this display together just today. So if you would hold it a little higher, Malia and Cole. This, this display asks that you consider seriously banning plastic bags in the city of Petaluma to the extent that we can help reduce that floating island the size of Texas out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, which the children learned about, and we can reduce the harm that comes to um, the uh, seashore and the ocean life associated with uh, the way in which we seem to discard everything from plastic bags to plastic bottles, and so on. Um, Malia has some uh, comments she would like to make. Thank you. Can I look on this? Sure says a thousand words. I think you've that's true. You've, you've done a very good job, and you've pretty well no, said it. That every that every year thousands of animals die from plastic bags. Plastic bags can lit, litter, kill animals, and don't don't biodegrade. You see the difference. A sea turtle does not thank you very much appreciate it we need we need to move on here mm -hmm. <laughs> um did you know that um plastic bags can release on beaches and then they release on water and then animals and stuff get caught in them and they die thousands of years ago Plastic bags have been um, eaten by whales and stop littering, please. For Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Joe Durney. It's going to be a tough act to follow. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, I'm Joe Durney. I live in Petaluma. Thank you, Mayor, Council Members. Um, at the October uh, 21st meeting, I think it was the last meeting, Mr. Danley uh, said after the, there was no reportable action out of um, the closed session, but the council had asked him to, uh, uh, to go on ahead and, and, and mention your position on a lawsuit that was uh, being brought against a casino. Uh, Mr. Healy recused himself, and, but I guess he was at the meeting as a representative of the people bringing the suit, and I just assumed that perhaps that was why uh, it was okay to go on ahead and make, make, uh, make comments about that. And I just wonder how far we can go with this. Uh, I'm sure that there are many benefits to having you closed session private meetings, but uh, and one of them has to be that you can um, reward your staff and our first offenders with uh, wonderful pay and, and retirement packages. And then, you know, come on out here and say, geez, sorry, there's not that much money left for roads, although things have been improving. And uh, uh, and, and uh, first offenders, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, our sons and daughters um, that um, will voluntarily stand between us and criminals or drag us out of a burning building, uh, it's hard not to want to give them everything that they, that they want. And they have, uh, you know, professional negotiators there that are well-skilled in getting, getting them everything that they can get. And I just wonder how different these negotiations would be if we could uh, witness them, uh, in the citizens, and, or at least even after the fact, after they're done, if we could just get an idea, not just the numbers, but how the negotiations went down, um, just to see how far we can go with it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Also, thank you for your courage uh, and integrity to standing up to the people on Sonoma Mountain that have, that have deprived us of our park for decades now. Those of you who, who are doing that, and it looks like things are going to shake now. I hope so, and I hope we get the same courage and integrity out of our supervisor level. Thank you. Thank you. Victor checking over to be followed by Catherine Bobowski. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members and City Manager and City Attorney and City Clerk. That takes care of everybody, I guess. And the audience. Uh, I came for, actually, primarily, I came, I decided I was coming to talk to you about Wiseman Park. I live nearby. I often walk there, although I prefer Ellis Creek. <clears throat> and I'm wondering if there's going to be any room sometime in, during my lifetime to improve that path. It's deteriorated to the extent where it's really an embarrassment to bring anybody from out, out of town down there. I see that there is some restoring done at uh, Schallenberger, and there's plants being planted at, at a, along the south end of Wiseman Park, but I don't see anything really happening to help uh, people who walk there. That was my primary reason, but secondarily, since I noticed there was an agenda on the item, on the an agenda item that interested me, for the first time I see that the city of Petaluma Council may wander beyond the bounds of Petaluma to address an issue that affects the citizens of this county, of this town, and the county for that matter. So I want to thank those who introduced it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Catherine Babowski to be followed by Jim Fitzgerald. 
Yes, my name is Catherine Leprosky. I live at the Littlewoods Motorville Mall Park at 1821 Lakeville Highway in the city of Pella. Every day, the our, our garbage dumpsters, dumpsters look like this, like a one hour or two hours after the, the garbage collectors come by. This is ridiculous. And then we got vehicles parked on the fire lines all the time. I got pictures of it was part, uh, parked on the fire line four hours. And I got another one that's parked on the fire line over here in this picture too. And he's actually, and I got one that uh, space eleven trespassing on my neighbor's space, uh, space twelve when he's not even home. This goes on all the time, and I got pictures of people parking in no parking zone. We got vehicles parked there at the Mohawk on the fire lines all day, all night. They're not getting tickets. If a white person was parked on the fire line, they would get tickets. And we're getting tired of the vandalism that's going on in that park. I got pictures of holes in the roads here, uh, right here. This goes. This road hasn't been fixed since the maybe 1995 or 96, I say. This goes on all the time, and we got 15 to some of the spaces have 15 to 16 people living in a one to two bedroom home. That's a fire violation. I'm asking the city to do a census in there to find out how many of these people are living here and do something about this. And also, too, our the ones who are doing the vandals in that park are related to our on irresponsible on-site manager. How would you like to have your place vandalized all the time? All the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do something. Thank you. Thank you. Jim Fitzgerald. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and council and staff. I'm here representing Petaluma's Christmas Chair, and we're looking for space. We've been in operation since 1952 and we have been growing because the problem is growing in Petaluma. Last year we served over 700 families and seniors, over 1,800 children, and we're attempting to do the same thing this year. These are the poor of Petaluma, some of them newly poor, and um, because of the rundown in the um, economy, we're seeing more and more middle-class people who have lost their, their jobs and lost their homes. And so we're it for helping them through Christmas. And what we try to do is use vacant space, and the space I'm asking you for is the old Payran pay Fire Station, which I understand the um, Fair Board has some control over now, even though it's city property. And if we could use that space, we could use that for servicing all those people who are truly in need. And it truly helps the, the city to help them. And uh, we can pay some things, but we mainly just clean the building, repair the building, clean it while we're in it, and clean it when we leave. And um, we'd like to have your support in trying to get that building. Thank you. Let me see if I can get the city manager to uh, make a comment on this. Mr. Brown. Well, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, so the city does, in fact, own that property as we do the entirety of the fairground site. Uh, however, we have a lease with the fair board uh, for that site through, I believe, 2023. And the old D Street fire station 
actually has become subject to fair board control. It was done as, uh, a number of years back as uh, a trade-off for access into what's now the, uh, the Regency Center. Uh, so the place to start with that request and actually end with that request would be with uh, the fair board and I think Pat Conklin's still there for, for some time and so I would suggest starting with Pat Conklin, the exec there at the fair board and, and making that request. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you got it out on television, maybe someone else has a facility somewhere else in town and maybe they'll uh, contact, if, if they contact me, I'll forward it to you. If they contact you, you don't need me as a middleman. So there's the word out to the community. Okay, Mr. Fitzgerald? Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, with that, that's the last of the public comment cards that we have tonight. Um, I promised to read a proclamation here, and I will. There's no one here to accept it, but it is on the agenda, and the proclamation declares Small Business Day, Saturday, November 30th, 2013, here in Petaluma, and it reads as follows. Whereas the city of Petaluma celebrates our local small businesses and the contributions they make to our local economy and community, and whereas according to the United States Small Business Administration, there are currently 28 million small businesses in the United States representing more than 99% of American companies who create two-thirds of the new net jobs and generate half of private gross domestic product. And whereas small businesses employ half of the employees in the private sector in the United States, and whereas over 86% of consumers in the United States agree that small businesses contribute positively to the local community by supplying jobs and generating tax revenue, have small businesses in their community that the consumers would miss if the small businesses closed and agree that it is important for people to support the small businesses that they value in their community. Whereas 90% of consumers in the United States are willing to pledge support for a bi-local movement and advocacy groups and public and private organizations across the country have endorsed the Saturday after Thanksgiving as Small Business Saturday. And whereas the city of Petaluma supports our local businesses that create jobs boost our local economy and preserve our neighborhoods. Now therefore be it resolved that I, David Glass, Mayor of Petaluma, along with each and every member of the Petaluma City Council, hereby proclaim Saturday, November 30th, 2013 as Small Business Saturday and urge the residents of our community and communities across the country to support small businesses and merchants on Small Business Saturday and throughout the year. And so that's the proclamation and we uh, Look forward to people shopping local. Uh, keep the money right here in town. Uh, with that, we'll go to council comments. Starting this end with Ms. Miller tonight. Uh, council Member Miller. Um, I don't have uh, much to report. The Planning Commission hasn't met, and neither is the Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee. Um, I did have the uh, privilege of attending the St. Vincent's High School Community Service Fair today, and it was great to see um, all the local nonprofits out and. Um, see our next generation of community volunteers um, getting getting an idea of what's out there for them for them to do to contribute to their to their community thank you councilmember Healy <coughs> thank you a couple things briefly um, so the water advisory committee uh, met in Santa Rosa this morning um, and it was kind of an interesting uh, reminder of um, how to present statistics. Uh, we had one discussion around the uh, the water agency's budget for the most recent fiscal year and sales were up 18 percent over budget uh, which means revenues were up 18 percent over budget so there's all kinds of money to spend on worthy projects. 
Um, and then a little while uh, before that, actually, we had a presentation on uh, conservation programs and some good conservation programs that are being done around the system. And um, and uh, water water consumption is down four percent for that period. So it, it really depends on what what period of time you look at and uh, and how you you capture the information and present for the information. And I tried to kind of gently remind them that they maybe wanted to take a more broad picture and try to have pictures that are uh, statistics that are more uh, more easily conveyed to the public uh, on a go forward basis. Um, there, there came. I, I mentioned the uh, the Dutra uh, appeal hearing now set for the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Uh, we learned that this afternoon. Um, there was another matter that came up with uh, Dutra also today, and I believe staff has uh, handled that, and um, we don't need to address that. And that has to do with uh, North Marin Water District's uh, meeting tomorrow night. But hopefully that'll get uh, pushed pushed down the road a little bit, and we can have staff uh, look at that a little bit more carefully. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, a couple liaison reports. The Animal Services uh, Committee uh, met this past week. Uh, the first time we've been up to uh, five full board members under the new configuration approved by Council. Uh, it was an animated discussion. Um, Mr. Uh, Danley was present. <laughs> Mr. Danley was present. We had discussion about um, uh, uh, ethics within uh, the appointed boards in public bodies, and that was uh, an interesting discussion by all hands. Uh, we voted for two uh, new chairs or two new officers. The chair is one of our new members, Jake Marble, and vice chair, uh, an existing member of the Animal Services Committee, Mike Donovan. Uh, we received the uh, report, the annual report, from the Petaluma Animal Services Foundation, and uh, that should be coming to council. Staff will bring that forward uh, for their review. Uh, the Airport Commission meets this coming Thursday, uh, uh, the 7th. Uh, interesting things on the airport uh, agenda is the um, uh, FAA has got a report on some trees that are uh, adjacent to the airport and, and lead into and out of the runways and uh, th their regulations and also new rules and regulations for the airport itself. Uh, those will be reviewed by the Airport Commission and in turn recommendations made and forwarded to City Council. And last, Mr. Mayor, uh, some of the things you see in the newspaper, and I'm glad to see it, because there are good things happening in the City of Petaluma. And I thank the media. Uh, uh, the issues of uh, our promotion of Petaluma as business friendly and the work done by our staff uh, Ingrid Alverde and the city manager and working with the Petaluma Downtown Association, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, promoting Petaluma as business friendly and bringing business into this town. Uh, that's a neat deal. Uh, we've had people come to council any number of times complaining, bang on the lectern about broken street lights and why can't you get them fixed. And there was another article in the paper about the number of street lights that have been addressed and, and crosswalks and street lights and, and traffic lights and going from hundreds of lights citywide that were broken down now to uh, plus or minus 50 uh, citywide, which I think is a great improvement and staff should be commended for that. And lastly, our police department. Uh, uh, over $900,000 was given, uh, granted to Sonoma County uh, by the Office of Traffic Safety, California Office of Traffic Safety, in an OTS grant. 
of that over 900, 650,000 of that is coming to the city of Petaluma and by the PD's uh, grant application and have been awarded the uh, grant for uh, driver safety, for DUI checks, for a variety of things to improve traffic safety uh, throughout our city. And I commend the PD for their success in obtaining such a large grant, and I think that's wonderful. There are things happening here in the city of Petaluma this community should take pride in. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Albertson. Mr. Harris, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Glad to be with you all on my birthday. Um, so I don't really have any uh, uh, liaison updates as tomorrow night is our youth commission and our uh, technology and SCTA meetings were refused and we'll have those in the first week of December. So I'll update to that time. The only other update I just want to remind the council I do have that conflict on November 18th and won't be here at that meeting. So um, I'll celebrate my birthday then. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> That's a long celebration, <laughs> Mr. Kearney. Uh, so, uh, I only sit on one committee that meets every other month, so I don't have anything to report out on that. Uh, the City of Petaluma Police Department, as part of, part of their Petaluma Policing Program, uh, held town hall meetings, and I went to our uh, meeting, which was held at Casa Grande last Monday night, and it was very well attended, uh, and the staff uh, did a wonderful job putting on, on, on that event um, in giving a snapshot of what our police department looked like a couple years back, what it currently looks like looks like and and what, what the difference is uh, and and how we can improve it moving forward uh, and again the turnout was wonderful um, and the the staff provided food for the, the the folks that were there and and overall the spirit in the room was was really uh, enthusiastic um, from there I went next door and watched 12 angry jurors a play put on by the Costa Grande High School uh, theater theater department uh, for whatever reason, they invite me to come to their preview nights, and so uh, it was great to see um, a play, 12 Angry Men, adapted to be 12 Angry Jurors, so uh, it could better reflect uh, the diversity of the high school. Uh, and so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Costa Grande High School is now 9-0, and uh, which is uh, a very uh, prideful thing for our community uh, as we will be bringing a lot of uh, football fans into town to watch playoff games at Costa Grande High School which is great so congratulations to them oh and last thing my high school uh, classmate Johnny Gomes uh, congratulations to him on winning a World Series it's kind of cool very cool. All right, uh, Councilmember Barrett. Um, I have had no meetings, which is extraordinary, since the last meeting. So, but they're they're stacking up starting tomorrow. Um, however, I would like to have the city uh, manager um, add a comment about the plastic bag ban and the status of that that we heard at public comment. Thank you. Thank you. And there are. Um, I would like to hear the city manager comment if he could. Or, guesstimate of when Rainier might come back for a discussion because some folks were expecting that maybe we would see it on this council uh, agenda tonight but uh, too much work and too little time uh, so it looks like maybe perhaps after the first of the year but I don't want it getting lost off the radar screen so if you kind of just give us a general feel for uh, Councilmember Barrett's question in mind that would be great. Mr. Brown. Thank you. Uh, yes, sir. And so I did have a note to, to talk to you uh, after your presentation this evening regarding a bag ban. Uh, I have been working on a staff report that I was trying to get to council on the 18th of November. It won't make it just because of time constraints, but I expect that item to come back to you on the first meeting of December. 
Um, and I know that, and this will factor into my answer with respect to Rainier, but I know that council members have plans to be gone, uh, really starting about the middle of November and moving through the uh, end of the calendar year. So I say that with some reservation only because if I have any strong feelings from a council member about not wanting to miss particular items, I really try to work with that. And I haven't talked to council much about the, the tentative dates on, on the, either of these items. but. That notwithstanding, if it looks like we can bring that forward on the 2nd of December, that was when I was planning on doing that. And that'll actually be a two-part conversation. And what you're actually being asked to look at, uh, first and foremost, is, is to uh, uh, approve amendments to the Joint Powers Agreement uh, with the, the Waste Management Agency. And that amendment has been approved by the agency board and asked to be directed to each of the jurisdictions uh, in the county as well as the county uh, to uh, perhaps facilitate their uh, uh, implementation of a, of a region-wide ban uh, as opposed to something that each of our jurisdictions would need to implement on their own. Uh, part two of that actually is the conversation about how you want to go about doing a bag ban if it is region-wide, whether it's uh, Squama that you would want to do that through, whether you want to adopt your own. So both of those policy choices will be uh, resident in that staff report when it comes back. Uh, with respect to the Rainier item, I believe that we're moving towards January 6th. Uh, that would be your first meeting in January. And again, that had to do with uh, a council member can't be here on one night, another one who really wants to be here can't be here on another, and, and so forth. And that takes us all the way to January 6th. So staff is working uh, up, uh, I think, a very comprehensive uh, response to the various questions that have been raised by members of the council. Uh, with respect to this project, where it stands, its various financing sources, how that might be phased, and, and so on and so forth. So you know, hopefully we'll bring you something worth the wait. Um, I did also want to just comment very briefly on um, advisory boards in general. And just if I haven't mentioned this to the council, uh, and you all yourselves uh, really commented on what a great crop of applicants you had this time around as you made your appointments to the various advisory boards. And we've been trying to step up our game at the staff level, providing better service to each of those boards. And that starts with things like uh, an agenda that we're putting together to present to the boards. Those agendas basically follow the same format that your council agendas do. Uh, I mean, there'll be some differences, obviously, because they are not you. But uh, that would also include having a staff report to present items to the board or boards, commissions, committees, giving them more information, perhaps, than they've had in the past to work with, giving them that information at least you know, in writing at least 72 hours in advance so that uh, folks have a chance to absorb that uh, and it isn't just being presented to them the night of. So I think that uh, once people get used to those changes, uh, hopefully they'll find that they're being better served as, as your advisory commissions. Another uh, part of that process is taking the city attorney around on a traveling road show here. He's been to a number of these boards, committees, commissions to talk about their various obligations uh, under the Brown Act, under ethical, ethics laws, you know, filing requirements when they do and don't apply and, and really what, you know, the difference between legal requirements and perception might uh, might be or might not be. So, you know, we're hoping that all of that effort together will, uh, will cause people to feel like the time that they're uh, volunteering to these things and the decisions that you're helping you make are, are worth the time that they're putting in. Um, and I think that was everything I wanted to say. <clears throat> 
guess other than just an editorial comment, uh, Ms. Sansu got up tonight and spoke to the reasons why she wanted to be a citizen. And it's, uh, it's a good reminder to all of us that we have these constitutional protections. It was nice to hear somebody mention that a good reason to be a citizen is so that you can have those. And that's something I think that we all, well maybe not all of us, but I know I take for granted sometimes, I don't think about it. And so I appreciated getting that reminder tonight. And, and I'm always happy when the citizenship class comes to visit you know, and, and watch how we do business here in Petaluma. Thank you. Thank you. All right, with that, um, we'll move on to uh, Mr. Danley, report out of closed session, please. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. There's no reportable action tonight. Thank you. We'll move on to item 1A. This is approval of minutes of the regular City Council PCDSA meeting of Monday, October 4th, 7th, uh, October 7th, rather, 2013. And I've talked to the clerk about this on page 4, line 47. Uh, it references to Jerry Groves as he, it should say she. And I would like uh, the spelling of Jerry Groves' name just to be checked. I'm not sure. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, with that one change, uh, I don't have any other recommendations uh, changing, uh, as I referenced, the he to a she on the gender. Any other changes from the council on that? Uh, yeah. Mr. Healy. Yeah. So um, on page one on the closed session item, um, I recused from what I believe is the only item that was held at 6 o'clock, which was the third of the five bullet points, and the other four were all continue till the end of the, the regular meeting, so I'd appreciate that to be clarified. Okay. That's, That's without objection. I don't think anybody's objecting to that, so Mr. Albertson. Just uh, noticing that I was absent and taking no action on this myself. Okay, so um, let the record show that Mr. Albertson was not present. Um, with those changes, the minutes are adopted as submitted and edited uh, and amended. With that, we're on to item 2A. This is approval of proposed agenda for regular City Council PCDSA meeting of Monday, November 18th. Mr. Mayor? Yes, sir. I'll make the motion. Second. A motion by Kearney, second by Barrett. Um, is there any discussion? With that, we'll vote by the lights. The agenda is unanimously adopted. We're on to the consent calendar. This is item 3A, a resolution approving claims and bills for September 2013 as presented by uh, Bill Mushallo. Mr. Mayor. Mr. Kearney. I'll make the motion to approve. Second. We have a motion by Kearney, a second by Barrett. I need to open it up for public comment. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to address the council? There's one item on the consent calendar, that is item 3A. Seeing no one come forward and I have no speaker cards on this, public comment is hereby closed. Sure. And Mr. Albertson. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I do have a, a, a couple questions on, on this. Uh, the, I see two summations in this, Mr. Michalow, and I'm, I'm curious as to how we have two the, uh, identified as post-715 and prior-715. Can you clarify that for me, please? Thank you. 
Yes, the uh, legal bills were divided up um, from before the uh, 17th of July and then after the 17th of July. That was when there was some action taken by the council to do some extension of the, uh, the contract. So we broke up those legal bills in two separate sections and had Myers Nave report on them separately. And, and can we clarify the, the, the contract extension? Uh, that, do we have a time on that just for clarification? Has that occurred? Mr. Danley or Mr. Brown? Mr. Brown. Say, uh, our agreement, the formal agreement with Myers Nave took us through the 31st of October. That's uh, my understanding. And that hasn't been uh, updated at this point. Um, Myers Nave is still handling on a month-to-month on -month or day-to-day -day basis those matters that have been referred to them until further notice. Okay, uh, we I, will. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say we. No, no, no. I was just going to say we do need to execute something more permanent than that in order for us to continue uh, moving forward. However. Okay, and and I guess the last question on this is uh, 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 Mr. Danley's office. Uh, where are we in the in, in the staffing arrangements for Mr. Danley's office? Uh, Mr. Danley still has two staff members to hire. Uh, I know he's been going through the job descriptions that are the next part of this process, and I think he's either done with that or very close to that. That's what we need to get finished to bring to council to have you authorize the, the position specifically. As soon as we've done that, then we'll be going ahead and hitting the, the send button on the recruitment for both of those positions, and we're talking a senior or a deputy level city attorney uh, in each of those instances. Is there anything council can do to help you <coughs> move this thing forward? It's been, well, over four months. Uh, I can't think of anything the council can do collectively or individually to move it forward any faster than it's moving. And in any approximate timeline? Um, it depends on, I guess the answer depends on, on how comprehensive a timeline you mean but I expect to be done um, with with my edits to the position descriptions and also the brochure um, that's that's part of the um, solicitation uh, this week it's got to get some internal staff review and personnel and by the manager um, and and get that as a package um, but that, that's my expectation with respect to that and then in terms of actually filling the positions that depends on um, you know the level of interest. That, um, it's going to be done as together, it's not separately or serially. Um, so that helps accelerate things. It depends on the level of interest and the success um, of the recruiting firm. And actually, because they're going to be affirmatively reaching out, it's not just a passive process. So um, there had been some significant significant interest expressed by a number of potential candidates as soon as the. Council took action about the um, the in-house department, so I, I expect there's still significant interest out there in those positions, and we'll be excited to be filling them and establishing um, that department for the first time to to help address um, the you know broad range of legal issues that that the city has, and it'll be very nice to have company doing that. And I'd like to see you have the help that you would like to have and that you need to have in your office. Great. So Thanks. We, we, we're looking at this accumulatively about $80,000 for this, this billing period for Myers Navi. Is that going to be demonstrative of the next several months or is that an average? It, it, it may be. I mean, there's what's really reflected there is the active litigation cases. Um, 
that ex that exist and that need to continue to be tended and that are um, that that there will be inefficiencies with trying to uh, you know change how those are staffed. So um, that I, I don't think there's been. Um, I I think the pace of activity. I mean, we've taken a lot of steps. I've taken a lot of steps to um, try to uh, avoid expenses that we can avoid in terms of contract legal expenses, um, but as particularly until we staff up the office. Um, the idea is to try to only be pursuing those matters that require active attention until we can get the staffing in place, and that's, that strategy is continuing. And we have that direction out there to those that are providing contract legal services, not, not just at Mars Nave. Um, so, uh, but we have a pretty, uh, the council knows there's a pretty active litigation program, so we have that needs to be tended during the transition time. The, the litigation pool is that is that the correct term? Is it something we've uh, initiated or there's a there's a uh, a defense contract defense pool of, of um, service providers for mostly focusing on tort defense type cases, um, and that exists. And we're utilizing that. All righty. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Just for clarity, um, if I could, as far as the litigation pool that you referenced, that would be something that would phase in and become more part of the game plan as new cases come on so you don't have to get a new team of attorneys up to speed. So a lot of this is just the bridge and the time frame of moving from one model to the next model. Right. I mean, we, what we what we need to do is it's it's about effective representation of the city's interests as cost efficiently as possible. So where there are opportunities to to provide for you know the um, effective representation of those interests at a lower cost, then we're absolutely going to be doing that now and and moving forward. I have a motion by Kearney and a second by Barrett. Is there any other discussion? If not, we'll vote by the lights. Consent calendar item 3A tonight is approved unanimously. We're on to um, item 4A. This is the first quarter budget update and introduction and first reading of ordinances, amending ordinances 2457, 2458, 2459, 2460, and 2461. NCS to change certain appropriations for the operations for the city of Petaluma from July 1, 2013 to June 30th, 2014. Mr. Michalow. Yes, Mayor Glass, members of the City Council. Uh, the city updates its budget on a continual basis. We're pretty much always looking at where we're, we're running and, and how we're going to do for the rest of the year. This is the first quarterly update of the fiscal year 13-14 budget. Uh, we've actually got three months worth of actual results that we're going to report on this evening and I've got a few highlights. Uh, there's not a lot going on with only three months reported, but I am happy to say that the first quarter sales tax revenues were higher than what we originally projected. We've actually got a meeting next week with our sales tax consultant to talk about some of the uh, reasons behind that. So uh, that's good news to, to start off the first quarter of the year. 
We also did get information from Sonoma County a few months back that our assessed valuation went up higher than what we had thought for uh, the current fiscal year. What they do in December is they send us uh, a revenue forecast estimate. So we'll be getting that and we'll be able to determine uh, the actual amount of revenues this year that we will be receiving over our budgeted amount. So we're looking forward to that. We've also got some um, good news with real property transfer tax. That's the tax that's paid when properties transfer. Uh, that was over for the first quarter. We had a really strong August. We're currently looking uh, to see if any of that is, is one time, if it was a large property exchange that's not part of our recurring expenditures, I'm sorry, revenue. So we'll be looking at that and coming back at mid-year to determine to see if we want to make any revenue increases because of that. And finally, our CDD-related permits and fees are also running slightly over budget. So the bottom news is while we don't have a lot of information yet and it's really early, uh, this is a bright spot in our revenue picture for the first three months uh, and we're looking forward to uh, doing more analysis here in the near future to, uh, to see where we are. On the expenditure side, we're running slightly under budget, 24.7% uh, quarter of the way through the year. It's not a big variance under, but we are running under, and we'll be looking at that. What we'll be doing is when we do our mid-year financial update, we'll be coming back with a thorough look of all departmental expenditures in all categories, and then we'll be bringing that forward for uh, council consideration in February. Some of the other things we'll be considering at that mid-year financial update, uh, again, we'll have that uh, fiscal year 13-14 property tax estimate from Sonoma County. We'll also have recorded six months worth of actual revenue results. We'll get our first property tax payment. Uh, we'll have six months worth of sales tax information. So we'll be looking at all of those revenues and analyzing any changes that we want to go ahead and make. We'll also have updated uh, sales tax revenue forecasts for both the Regency and Deer Creek centers. We'll be looking at what businesses are actually currently there, and we'll be looking at updating our revenue forecasts for both of those. Uh, we'll have six months of actual expenditure results, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we'll be going through all of those uh, in detail to uh, update our forecast for expenditures for the year. We'll have received our PERS actuarial uh, valuation reports. They're due actually in the next couple of weeks. They're about a month behind this year. Typically we get those in October. So that'll tell the tale as to how close our budget estimates were uh, regarding our, our forecast um, impacts of some of those new changes that PERS is bringing forward. So we're uh, anxiously awaiting that report. We'll also have an updated OPEB valuation report for uh, you know retiree uh, liabilities. We'll be building that then into the forecast at mid-year. So let me shift gears uh, to what some of the budget adjustments uh, are that we have before you uh, this evening. I'm going to go ahead and kind of summarize those. Uh, last year's sales tax came in a little bit over what we thought. It was about 1% over. It was $94,400, and we determined that those were ongoing revenues. So we're going to go ahead and increase our budgeted revenues in the general fund by $94,400 uh, as of this first quarter budget update. We've also got higher fire prevention revenues. Uh, that is basically funding, uh, converting a part-time fire inspector to full-time. Uh, that was recently approved by uh, council resolution. 
We've also got the cost of polling services that are going to be offset by donations in the amount of $22,000. Uh, we are going to include that in our adjustments. We've also got the cost of a public safety dispatch supervisor uh, position in the amount of about $69,000. Uh, that's basically up, up um, offset by part-time budget restoration and higher um, um, police SLESF revenues that were received last year. So that's what's funding that position, and those were again approved by council resolution recently. We're also anticipating that our cost allocation plan, uh, fee study, and internal service fund study is going to be about $60,000. We have five proposals that we're reviewing for that particular service, so we want to go ahead and make that budget adjustment at this time. We've got a few minor budget corrections that we're doing uh, for some of the various funds. We're also releasing some encumbrances from last fiscal year. If we had items, significant items that were budgeted last fiscal year, but weren't spent. We basically put that money into a reserve for encumbrances. Now we're going to rebudget that money, take it out of that reserve, uh, and go ahead and get those items bought. We've also got some project cleanup and closeout adjustments that we're uh, proposing this evening. And finally, we're going to go ahead and, and recommend a budget adjustments to uh, for the purchase of the ambulance that the council uh, approved by resolution here not too long ago. So what does all of this mean? Okay, we've got uh, you know the impacts to the various categories of funds. We've got a, a slight general fund impact, a reduction in the working capital fund balance of about $10,000 in the general fund. Special revenue funds, we're actually reducing the balances there by about $97,000. Capital project funds are being reduced of about $34,000. Enterprise funds balances are being reduced in the amount of 39000 And finally, the internal service fund fund balance is being reduc reduced by about 150000 once again for the purchase of that ambulance that was brought forward a while ago. So it's recommended this evening that the City Council introduce ordinances amending appropriations for the current fiscal year 13-14 budget. And we're available to answer any specific questions about the updated forecast or the specific budget adjustments at this time. Thank you. Before we get to questions, let me find out if there's anyone from the public that wishes to address the Council. Uh, public comment on item 4A is hereby opened. Seeing no one rise and I have no speaker cards, public comment on item 4A is hereby closed. Are there questions from the council? Mr. Harris. Just a, a quick question, and maybe it's too early for strategy in terms of how you're going to uh, go after the, the five-year financial forecast. I guess that will come to us in, in February. Yes, we're going to go ahead and update that also with all of the things. We talked the PERS rates, OPEB type things, Perfect. et cetera. And with this great news on the revenue side, you'll use those as the new kind of baselines as you project out. Because if, if I remember correctly, we had some tough years in the out years on the five-year plan, and I know you put some very conservative 3% escalators on the the retail and property tax portion, but these, these new numbers will essentially be used as more new baselines for those five years? Yeah, what we will do is we'll take each revenue category and determine if any of the overages that we're seeing now are ongoing, and we'll go ahead then and update the, the baseline for that, and we'll look at the out years to see if our projections are too conservative or frankly too optimistic whichever way that sure. works but we do go ahead and do that it's really important that we pull out any one-time revenues and only use those for one-time expenditures so we don't build those into the the forecast and artificially inflate the, the growth factor thank you thank you any other questions vice mayor albertson 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I concur. Good information about uh, the revenue side of the thing. Can just a reminder: uh, When do we do the audits? Basically, we're in the process of closing the year out at this particular time. We're working through uh, feverishly, if you will, uh, getting fiscal all year. the numbers. Fiscal year for the fiscal year 12-13. That's the June 30th fiscal year end. We're closing the books out. We've actually got auditors on site this week where they're working on some preliminary information. We'll be taking that information and they'll be compiling it and, and finishing up the audit. We'll be meeting with them over the next month or so, if you will, to go ahead and review any of their questions or concerns. And then by the end of the calendar year, by the end of December, we're required to have our comprehensive annual financial report then delivered to council and we'll have a presentation by our auditors shortly after the first of the year, either the first or second meeting in January of that audited financial report for fiscal year ending June 30th, 2013. Remind me, sir, did, did they, they go into the detail of all the various funds? Absolutely. All of the funds are audited. Um, we have, I believe, around 70, over 70 different funds that we manage. So all of those funds are compiled, uh, summarized into groups of funds, and presented in the CAFR, and they are all audited, yes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. Healy. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Bill, actually, you answered one of my two questionnaires, and that had to do with the, uh, the updated CalPERS actuarial studies just being, what, expected two to three weeks late this year? Yeah, basically, I think they're spo we're supposed to have them by around the middle of this month this year, yeah. Okay, that's great. Um, could you go ahead and forward those to us when they come in? I know they're rather dense documents, and they're, they're not easy reading, but they're going to be very important for us this year. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do that, and we'll also post them on the website, too. Thank you. And then the other point was on the top of page four, the second bullet point, and you're talking about um, special revenue funds, and in particular, the river dredging habitat restoration, and you note that that has been suspended. And, and that raised in my mind a question that may not be a question for you, but we'll see if someone here knows the answer. Are we maintaining, I, I, and I know that we've received, you know, bad news from the federal government over the likelihood of getting support on, on dredging the river, but are we maintaining the ability of the Schollenberger spoil site to, to receive um, dredge spoils if, if we get to the happy day when we can, can do river dredging again? I think the answer is yes. One of the steps that we've had to take is uh, uh, a management plan, you know, and, and we've, I think we've talked to you about that in, in the past year or so, getting that finished so that we have those questions asked or answered, rather, so that when the time comes to dredge, we can put the, the dredge spoils okay. where they need to go. I just wanted to clarify that point. Thank and you. And if the council would like more information on the timing of that, I'd be happy to bring that back. No, that's all I needed on that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yes, sir. Mr. Healy raised this question about PERS, and is that we get our updated information. Is that for the calendar year to 2011? Yes, they are actually two years uh, behind, right? Thank you. The uh, transient occupancy tax, I'm expecting we'll see a spike up in that. I know you are, too. When will we get that report? Will it be in January at the mid-year? Yeah, we'll go ahead and look at that also in conjunction with the mid-year financial update. Okay. I mean, this is good news. It's not great news because there's so many pent-up demands of places to go, whether it's dredging or more street lights or potholes or whatever it is. But it's the first time in five years 
we've actually gone through this process of reviewing and looking and seeing that we're going to get a little bit of a positive infusion rather than looking for more cuts. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, you, d you did a good job through the worst of times. I, wa I want to tell you, I want to tell Mr. Brown and the city staff and managing through this uh, economic crisis, it actually has been walking a tightrope. We fully committed to give this city every bit of dollar that we had in terms of services. And uh, I want to commend staff for being able to manage through and making those expenditures all the way down to at one point was projected to have $5,000 in the bank. So you can't go much more than that in terms of going all in. And so thank you so much for your work, all of you. Mr. Mayor. Yes, sir, Mr. Kearney. Uh, so as far as the motion for this, do, do we have to do Separate motion or no? We're going to do them all at once uh, so because yeah. more than willing to make that motion then right now. What I'm looking for then uh, is an, a motion for attachment number two through six. I believe that's how many attachments there are. Yeah, so moved. Okay, uh, motion by Kearney, a second by second. Council Member Miller, and is there any more discussion? With that, we'll vote by the lights. Motion carries. One light is not lit up. What, let me just ask, is that your light? I haven't got my glasses on. You voted for it or not? I, I voted for it. Okay, I didn't want to put words in your mouth. It's unanimous. We don't need to go through the lights again. Vice Mayor Albertson voted for it. So we're done with item 4A, thank you. Uh, bad luck when you mentioned, you were the one that mentioned how many street lights have been fixed. Well, we need to get Mr. Albertson's green light fixed. Uh, let's see, we're on to the last item on the night. Excuse me? No, I, I, it probably is working. It was a, a vague yeah. tense uh, at humor. Um, we're on to the last. <laughs> we're on to the yes. Okay, we're on to item 4B. This is discussion and possible adoption of a resolution in support of the Postal Protection Act of 2013 as presented by uh, Mr. Healy and Mr. Harris. And I have three speaker cards on this. I would like to get to, I think the uh, resolution in front of us is pretty much self-explanatory, so I'll get to public comment right now. Uh, Jeff Parr, Clay Cook, and Victor Chuckanover are the three that I have speaker cards. So if Mr. Parr would like to lead it off, that would be wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, uh, council members, and staff. Uh, my first confession is I don't live in Petaluma or work here. However, I've been a letter carrier for over 36 years, a member of NALC Branch 183, which does represent carriers in Petaluma. I've come to ask this council to support a resolution that affects Petaluma and the nation. It is said all politics are local, but we know those local actions ripple across the country. The Postal Service is at the core of a $1 trillion mailing industry and employs 8 million Americans and it accounts for 7% of our gross national product. So any legislation that Congress enacts is going to affect everyone in this nation. Headlines report that the USPS is losing money and at an alarming rate, but they often fail to report the causes. In 2006, Congress passed a law requiring the Postal Service to pre-fund future retiree health benefits, a 75-year obligation to be funded in 10 years, a burden no other government agency or private enterprise must meet. Then came the largest recession since the Great Depression. No business would voluntarily fund 
Such a plan at the expense of its ability, ability to invest in needed improvements to its daily operations. In fact, 80% of the Postal Service losses since 2007 are directly attributed to this pre-funding. The last quarter financial report showed that the USPS would have had a net profit of $660 million if not for this owner's pre-funding mandate. This shows the Postal Service is coming back from losses associated with the Great Recession. The internet is often cited as to the loss of mail volume, but e-commerce e offers much needed revenue growth opportunities. You can order online, but someone has to handle the shipping and the Postal Service is actively working to capture that emerging market. In fact, parcel business is up 14% for the Postal Service. Postal Service. We're asking you to support for the Postal Protection Act of 2013, which is Senate Bill 316, introduced by Senator Sanders, while opposing Senate Bill 1486, because the former allows for growth while the latter offers a cut and slash program that degrades the Postal Service, driving away customers. Maintaining six-day delivery, part of the Postal Protection Service Act, is essential to continued success and growth of the Postal Service and no business succeeds by giving up its competitive advantage. It is needed by seniors in many businesses. Businesses operate 24-7 and rely upon a delivery network six days a week. A reduction in delivery would force businesses to employ more expensive delivery options, a cost that surely would be passed on to their customers. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Clay Cook. Good evening, Mayor Glass, members of the City Council and staff. Thank you for allowing me to address you and speak to the resolution you'll be voting on shortly. My name is Clay Cook and I've been a letter carrier in Petaluma for almost 26 years, about 24 of them delivering the same route on the west side, including Kentucky Street, West Street, and many streets off of them. I'm sure I don't need to tell you the important role the Postal Service plays in the local economy. I would point to all the middle class jobs it represents allowing our employees to own homes, shop, eat out at local restaurants, and in general infuse a large amount of money into the local economy. We deliver six days a week to every home and business in Petaluma, and in recent years we increasingly also pick up a large volume of merchandise those homes and businesses ship to all parts of the country and indeed the world. Our network and its affordability have facilitated many small mom and pop operations and small businesses to succeed. Their packages picked up by their mailman as he makes his rounds. I have half a dozen such businesses on my own route who ship regularly with me. Postal Service is the second largest civilian workforce in the country made up of over half a million people living and working in all of our communities with over 22% veterans, many with disabilities. The media has widely reported on the Postal Service financial problems, but they stick to a few sound bites. I'd like to point out a few things to you. While the Postal Service is in debt some $15 billion, 80% of this is represented by the amount the service set has had to set aside to pay for the future health benefits for future retirees as mandated by the legislation already mentioned. Currently, that fund has $49 billion in it, enough to fund health benefits for more than 50 years. Additionally, 
the two retirement funds that the Postal Service pays into are both overfunded to the tune of somewhere between 50 and 75 billion dollars. <throat> uh, much, much talk has been made of the internet and how it's decreased our first class mail volume, but it's also provided us a, a huge surge in parcel delivery, which has already been addressed. Um, so currently the U.S. Senate is considering multiple bills with regard to the Postal Service and they represent very different visions of the future for the Postal Service. One represents a vision where we slash, where we cut service, where we reduce days of delivery. The other one represents a vision which would take us forward into the future. And we urge you to support the resolution that's before you and the purpose of that is to send a message to our senators as they debate the bills that are currently being addressed in the Senate. Thank you. Thank you so much. Victor, checking over. Good evening again. I came to support this resolution, not as a letter carrier, but as a receiver of mail for the past 25 years here in, in Petaluma. I think many of us, or some of us, saw when they saw that the purpose of causing or requiring the refund, the funding of a pension for 75 years, was a pl plan to do away with the postal service as a government function. And I'm glad to see now that possibly and hopefully that Congress will revise what they've done and uh, put the post office back on a sound financial position so I won't have to keep on buying two cent stamps to every couple of years. Uh, but, I, but in addition to that, I, I see this in my experience anyway, the first time the city council has reached out beyond the boundaries of the city of Petaluma and see and sees, and I hope you all agree to this resolution, that the city, uh, residents of this city are affected very uh, much more by what happens nationally and statewide, possibly, than what you do right here in, in the council. And uh, I want to hope that you will direct your attention next to the food, uh, pro food programs that we have here that are being reduced by Congress, have been reduced and are being reduced further. I'm a volunteer in, in two of those programs, and I think many of you already know, and I know from firsthand experience, that there are a lot of residents here in Petaluma that depend on food stamps and other food programs. So I hope you will address that at some time in the very near future. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I have for public comment. So public comment is hereby closed. And with that, I'll bring it back to the council. Mr. Healy, would you like to make a motion? Um, I'd be happy to, to move the, uh, the resolution. Um, for me, this is, um, you know, first and foremost, a local jobs measure. Um, but, uh, you know, I hate, I hate to see, we, we have enough real problems uh, in our community and in the country, and to see uh, what's essentially an artificial crisis driving, driving this situation is, is, is just not, not a good situation to be in. I, I would point out to Mr. Chuckenover that the council has on occasion ventured into matters like this beyond our, our narrow boundaries. Uh, we do it very carefully, but this is one of those situations where I think it's uh, appropriate. Mr. Harris, would you like to second the motion? Yes, sir. I'll be happy to second the motion. Is there any further discussion? If not, we'll vote by the lights.
Motion carries unanimously, seven to nothing. And with that, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. I'll second it. All in favor say aye. 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 We're adjourned. Your green light worked.